Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equity, inclusion and diversity in financial services. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And before we get started today, I just want to take a moment to thank our friends at City AM. They've given Diversity Podcast a new home at Impact AM, their pages dedicated to ESG, impact investment, DEI, and more. And we really appreciate that they publish and promote both our episodes and our supporting blog series so that their readers can stay right on top of the very latest diversity, equity, and inclusion debate. So thank you to City AM. So today I'm very excited because I'm joined by two stellar guests, Eve Ellis and Stacey Lentz. Eve Ellis is a wealth advisor at the firm William Blair, developing sophisticated solutions that integrate traditional investments, trust and estate planning, lending and philanthropy for a select number of high net worth individuals, families, family offices and non-profit organisations. She served on the board of Ms Foundation for Women, which is an organisation started by Gloria Steinman and others that was all about empowering girls and women. Today, their focus is very much girls and women of colour. And of course, DNI is at the very, very heart of all her work. So very, very warm welcome to Eve. Thank you so much, Julia. I am delighted to be here. Well, I can't wait to get into the conversation with our second guest today. Stacey Lentz is an LGBTQ plus activist, speaker, and she is the co-owner of the Stonewall Inn, the birthplace of the modern gay rights movements after the Stonewall riots in 1969. In 2006, the Stonewall Inn was closed and Lentz was part of a team of investors who stepped in to save the iconic landmark. And now she leads its marketing, public relations and community outreach. She is also the CEO and co-founder of the Stonewall Inn Gives Back Initiative, a non-profit helping some of the most underserved members of the LGBTQ community. The initiative recently launched its Safe Spaces Certification Programme, ensuring that businesses and venues that say they are safe truly are and support full global equality. So Stacey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Well, I think it's going to be phenomenal. But before we do, I love both your enthusiasm, by the way. But before we do, I just do want to take a moment for the benefit of our audience to invite you both to talk about what you're focused on right now. Eve, can I come to you first? Sure. Well, as you said, I'm a wealth advisor and we provide holistic financial planning for our clients. Obviously, a big part of that is about investments. So what we're working on is aligning our clients' investments with their values. So just the way you need to align investments with your tolerance for risk. And, you know, some of our clients are risk averse, don't want to take much risk at all. And others are, you know, gravitate towards taking much risk. And we try to, you know, we align their portfolios with who they are in terms of their risk, but also in terms of who they are. And that's what we'll get into today about their values, because they can invest in line with their values. And many of our clients, I will say, are as interested as we are in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there are ways to invest, to reward companies that do the right thing. Can't wait to get into some of that. And before we do, Stacey, talk to us about what you're focused on right now. 
Well, right now, um, I'm sure a lot of you may be aware that the LGBTQ global community is really facing attack. It's like we're moving a little bit backwards from some of the progress that we've made in recent times. So I'm really focused on getting corporations to use their platform and to have DE&I practices and policies to make sure that they are being accountable, not only to their employees, their stakeholders, but also to their consumers. And really making sure that we have safe spaces to go to work in to be our authentic selves as LGBTQ members of the community, but also making sure that LGBTQ consumers and especially Gen Z, that really want to see that businesses are on the side of equality are actually really doing the work and putting in the time and effort to ensure they are safe spaces and fighting for, for global equality. And it's so interesting your remark there about uh, the focus on Gen Z and the workforce coming in or the talents coming into our workforce today. But then also hearing Eve's comment about the appetite for investors to become very aligned. There will obviously be intersections between the two, but it's 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 going to be a very, very rich, rounded discussion. Um, I wonder if I could start, though, by Stacey coming to you, first of all, because I'm really curious about your involvement with, you know, the iconic Stonewall Inn. And as it stands today, I'd love to hear about some of its work and why it matters. As you mentioned, kind of in the introduction, the Stonewall Inn is the birthplace of the modern day gay rights movement. Um, the riots that started there in 1969 literally sparked a revolution um, globally. Um, and this is why we have a lot of LGBTQ pride parades that mark it on June 28th, 1969, the actual day of the riots. So we've really used the Stonewall Inn as a vehicle to keep that fight that started there on Christopher Street in 1969 alive and well and use it as a vehicle um, for LGBTQ progress, not only in business, but for LGBTQ rights. And as mentioned, we're seeing that slide backwards. So we've really got to think about ways that we can continue to have that progress happen. So in 2017, we launched the Stonewall Inn Gives Back Initiative, which is the official and only nonprofit of the Stonewall Inn to make sure that we're keeping that fight alive. And we work with marginalized community members all across the globe. Uh, whether that's in Uganda, whether that's in Brazil, whether that's here in the South and the Midwest part of the U.S., places where it's still hard to be LGBTQ plus in 2023. And then through our Safe Spaces program, we're really working with businesses and corporate leaders to say that, you know, LGBTQ being on the side of equality is actually it's good for business. And that's mm -hmm. super important. There was actually a study out by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation in 2019 that showed being inclusive of LGBTQ practices actually lead to 3% more productivity out of your employees. I would also argue it equates to a better bottom line as well. Absolutely. And I think about, you know, the time and the energy that is wasted how they, and it comes down to a sense of belonging so often and feeling safe. That's the word I really took out from when I was doing your introduction about feeling safe in spaces as well. Also, we had a phenomenal episode about tech in Ghana where we talked about LGBTQ rights there as well. And it's fascinating to hear about your work around the world. Um, Eve, can I ask you a similar question? Because I know that in your career, you've been very much involved in activism and pressing forward for some of this change. I'd love to hear some of your experiences. We started the gender parity strategy about 10 years ago. And we started it because we saw research that showed that companies with more women on their boards had stronger financials than companies with no or one woman on their board. 
Had I not read that research, it was done by Catalyst, but there was other research as well that showed a strong correlation between um, significant numbers of women on boards and company financial strength. If I hadn't seen that study and studies, we would not have started the gender parity strategy. So um, what we did was we started it where the companies in the portfolio um, we take from the Russell 3000 and they need to meet our financial criteria, but every company in the portfolio must have a minimum of three women on its board. A number of years later, I saw research by Refinitiv that showed that companies that scored well with regard to diversity and inclusion, and we're talking about 24 metrics, Refinitiv has 150 researchers looking at these 24 metrics over 8,000 companies worldwide, and they rank them, and that becomes the Refinitiv Diversity and Inclusion Index. Then we, the Matterhorn team at William Blair, create our diversity and inclusion strategy using the Refinitiv Index as the basis. So what happened was, as I was started to say several years ago, I had seen that there was outperformance of their index if I hadn't seen the outperformance of their index, I would not have said to my partner, Nikolai, Nikolai Jabankov, we need to use this data to create a portfolio for our clients. And as Stacy discussed, there's a strong business case to invest this way as well. She was talking about business performance. And I think your listeners will appreciate seeing so much of the research that you post after the discussion because it is extensive. And it's because the business reason is there for corporations to pay attention. And we've had actually a guest from Catalyst on the show and also from women in boards in the UK as well. And, and this is exactly what this series is framed around, which is we understand that absolutely the social imperative, but also the commercial opportunity is, is significant. And hearing you both sort of talk about that in the focus of your work and the extensiveness of your work as well is, uh, is, is really impressive. But I wonder if I could pick up on a remark that Stacey was making about how the world is changing and not in the favour of the LGBTQ plus community. And, um, and actually, may I stay with you? Because I know that in your career, you, you've advised on social responsibility and also DNI strategies as well. And I'm curious to understand, um, you know, where are the biggest obstacles when it comes to bringing around change? What are they and, and why do you think they exist? I think it's four letters, B-I-A-S, bias. <laughs> and I think people really don't like change and they like to hold on to their biases. We're all biased. I have biases too. But people are just reluctant. I say people. I mean, people who stand to gain by their privilege and keeping their privilege. And, you know, understanding that we will all do better. Even those who have had the privilege through the years will do better in the long run if they let others in. It's just a really hard topic for people to feel like, you know, something will be taken away from them. Um, I think we have to recognize that there are two things. One is, yes, something may be taken away from them, some of that power, but they've also had, you know, their own quota for many, many, many years. And, you know, if it's a white male quota that was 
the cultural norm for so many years, it's very difficult to say, no, there are actually other people who are going to be applying for this position now. I think that's that's hard for some people to deal with. So I think we need to be sensitive to the fact that that they're losing some power. By the same token, I think actually the LGBTQ plus community is a fighting community. And actually the pushback shows that we're winning. And it's hard for somebody else, I think, when we're winning. It's a really fascinating uh, sort of thought that. Stacey, I have a feeling you're, you're quite keen to come in here. So by all means, please do. Yeah, so absolutely. And and I mean, we are winning on certain levels for sure. But if you talk to our community around safe spaces and in this conversation, the context being, you know, within business and within being an employee or a consumer, we did a poll nationwide just here in the U.S. and found that 97 percent of folks in the LGBTQ community believe we could benefit from more safe spaces in general whether that be in the workplace, the store, a business, when we're traveling. Um, and then when you also break it down, when you look within a workplace, 29% of LGBTQ people of color said that they felt they were discriminated against based on sexual orientation or gender identity. By the way, I don't like to use the word sexual orientation. We're not oriented this way. We're actually born this way. I like to use sexuality uh, within the DEI space. So that's that's one way to look at this. So I would say there has been a lot of progress, but if you look within corporate America and you look at and within the pride movement and with and LGBTQ rights, there is so much work to be done. And I think if you also take a look within marketing to our community as well, if you've looked at some brands that were uh, allegedly on our side and then came back down to uh, to reality when they got some pushback from their consumer base. So I, I think there's lots of work to be done. And this is exactly why we created our, our um, you know, Stonewall and Gives Back Initiative Safe Space Program. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm curious to sort of stay with the point about sort of corporate uh, engagement, because when we think about Pride Month, embedded in corporate culture now and we're seeing you know great adoption of the rainbow flag and lanyards and, and even steps are colored and buildings are, are covered in flags um i'd love to get your thoughts stacy about um is you know where there is still work to be done and just even if you have an attitude on or an opinion on the corporatism of pride yeah. So this is an interesting kind of topic because it depends on geographic kind of privilege, right? I'm here in New York City, you're in London. These are areas that typically have geographic privilege where you might say, hey, we do not need this bank or this corporation to have all of these flags waving during Pride. It's, it's, it's not as important. Um, and then if you look at a place like Kansas, where I'm from here in, in the U.S., or a place globally like Iraq, it, it matters so much if you could get one business to be on your side to be part of that movement, right, and to show any rainbow flags. Um, but I think there's also an authentic way to do it. And our community now is really stating we want businesses to support us 365 days a year and not just during Pride Month. And that's where corporations can really make a difference. And that's one of our safe spaces criteria. There's actually 10, and I'll, I'll go into that a little bit further in the conversation. But one of them is making sure that businesses that say they're on the side of equality don't just show up during Pride Month. They're, you know, I'm LGBTQ. We're all, we're all you know, lesbians 365 days a year, not just in June, right? So coming to, to do that. And then also making sure they kind of businesses 
put their money where their mouth is. That's another one that when we polled the community they wanted in our criteria of safe spaces, that you donate to an LGBTQ charity. Um, that can be a local grassroots one or, or you give to an, a local LGBTQ organization. And those are super important things. And I would say a third one that we see around, uh, not just around pride, but a certain thing around corporations that our community is kind of holding them accountable to. And it's also another criteria in our safe spaces certification program is not donating to anti-LGBTQ politicians. Uh, it's really it's really tough for you to have all this corporate rainbow logo, everything during June. And then in July, you're donating to an anti-LGBTQ legislator who's actually writing bills trying to get them passed into laws against our community. And I'm really delighted that you brought that up. Obviously not delighted about the context, but I'm delighted you brought that up because I've been asked a lot, um, particularly when I speak on stages, but also our listeners, is while there is this political climate of change and actual um, worse still anti-LGBTQ preference, I'm going to describe it that way because it's it, that's all-encompassing word, uh, is what can organisations do because they should be standing up and protecting their employees and, and, and going out to bats for their employees. So it's, it's wonderful to hear that's a very practical way in which people can, can look at that. I'd love to welcome other thoughts and, and, and voices into this discussion. Eve. I joined William Blair in January of 2020. And I remember that the very first day, we have these different alliances of the different units within Blair. And our Pride Alliance reached out to me on day one to welcome me. And I think that that's actually walking the walk and talking the talk and, you know, doing it. You know, they're, they're not out there publicly getting known for that. William Blair isn't like that. Um, but it's a quiet gem of a firm that I believe um, makes all 2,000 employees feel included and valued. And they're all different ways to show it. I brought to the firm the organization called Start Out, which is a huge network of LGBTQ plus founders um, worldwide. And um, as soon as I brought it to the firm to say, how about if we support Start Out? They said, great, let's do it. So we now have mentors within the firm who are mentors to Start Out founders. A few of us have been on panels for the founders. I mean, there's a real partnership there and relationship. And that's what is behind how the firm functions. And again, I don't think that's out there in the news, nor does it need to be. But I think getting back to what Stacy was saying and what you were saying, Julia, as well, is if all the corporations really take responsibility and do that, the end result is going to be much stronger for all of us, again, mm -hmm. for the economy, for the country, for the world. It takes a village. It takes everybody working on this, whether it's customers, clients, investors, shareholders, you know, corporations are just people. And I think that builds very much on what Stacey was saying about, you know, it's the authentic way to do it. I mean, that is an example of a very authentic way uh, in terms of real cultural appreciation and support as well. And it's fascinating to sort of hear you talk about the present tense I'd love to look ahead a little bit and just think about the future of activism and Stacey can I can I bring you in here I'd love to hear your thoughts about are there new ways of activism or corporate involvement that you're um, that you're seeing that can change the narrative yeah 100% and I think it's really super important to also 
remind folks that Gen Z as a future generation, as consumers and as future um, employees, they will not work for or tolerate or even you know, want to be a part of a business that is not on the side of equality. So I would argue that if you're not on the side of LGBTQ equality, whether that's uh, as, a, as a corporation or any kind of business, that you would probably be extinct in about 40 years. That's probably the future of, of where business is headed. So I would say get on board or be left behind. Um, and, and you also have to remember that LGBTQ issues uh, and, and all marginalized groups, whether that's people of color, um, whether that's, uh, you know, other religious protections and things of that nature, 72% of LGBTQ allies say they are more likely to accept a job at an LGBTQ business that supports all marginalized organizations, especially LGBTQ plus employees. So this is about recruiting and attracting great talent. This is about keeping and retaining consumers. And this is also really about being on the right side of history. And, and when I talk to you know, CEOs around the world, there, there are three things that come up all the time. One of them is about climate change. One of them is about technology transformation. And the third is about talent. And that's exactly what that speaks to, which is the, the fight for talent, the ability to attract talent and retain talent as well. And that's where the, the culture comes in. Um, Eva, I would love to uh, just to kind of pick up one of those remarks uh, of, of my own, actually, about the whole sort of climate change, but extend that a little into being more socially responsible. A lot of organisations are seeking to align with the ESG agenda. Also, there's this response that you've articulated earlier about an investor appetite to get behind greater inclusion as well. So I'm, I'm wondering what aspects of policy should they prioritise as they move forward? If your listeners are in HR, then I think that question of do our employees feel valued? Do they feel included? translate that into policy, that will be a start. I think taking surveys within companies, some people just don't think they're important. They're really important. How many answer a survey? How many are engaged within the firm? And I think that number of respondents is a huge answer to a, another kind of kickoff point. The way Stacy talked about the younger generation not wanting to work at companies that are not doing the right thing, that's a huge impact to companies, a huge negative financial impact if they're losing people for that reason. And it's interesting, Bloomberg LP put out a report that said that companies are now providing more information to them about how diverse they are within their company. And in 2020, they had very few companies that answered their call for how many, what they're reporting to the, um, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And so in 2020, they asked the S&P 100 companies to release the data that they submit to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and just 25 of those S&P 500 responded. This year, 97 of those 100 companies provided their most recent data. So somebody's paying attention here. And it's important to note that companies are paying attention, meaning the people at the top of companies are paying attention and recognize, getting back to your question, it's about talent, it's about retention, it's about promotion from within, it's about keeping those employees, keeping them happy, 
keeping them within the firm and keeping them productive. And I would posit that a happier employee is actually more productive. And perhaps I'm out on a limb on that, but I think that engaged, happy employees are good for companies. Could not agree more. And also about being held to high account as the work that you're doing, for example, in these funds is assessing the 97% of the companies who are giving their data up, which it feels like a massive shift and certainly reasons to be to be cheerful. I think this is also a great moment, another reason to be cheerful, is to welcome in Cynthia Akinsania for some research to support today's discussion. Nearly two-thirds of American Generation Z is worried about the future of LGBTQ plus rights, including a quarter who say they are extremely concerned, according to new survey data from market research firm Toluna. The 2023 survey, which collected responses from more than 1,000 Gen Z participants aged between 18 to 25, found that most young people in the US are deeply anxious about the state of LGBTQ plus rights. So thank you, as always, Cynthia Akinsania for the research. And let's take a moment to remind everybody about how to find Diverse City Podcast and that links to the research can be found on our website, diversecitypodcast.com. You can find all our episodes on the website and do sign up for early notifications of future recordings. Also, sign up for our newsletter. It's called DE&I That's Caught Our Eye. And that's where we share news stories and updates so you can stay on top of what's current. Do follow us on X, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Diversity Podcast is available on Brightstalk and all good podcast channels. And we're immensely proud of our five-star rating. We'd love it if you would rate and review because it all helps this show extend to even more listeners around the world. As we go into our final remarks, uh, this is a section of the show I always really appreciate because we ask everybody the same question. And I'm always very inspired by the thoughtful responses that come back. And this is basically particularly now, you know, we're navigating challenging and interesting economic times. If I'm honest, I'm really concerned that the diversity, equity and inclusion discussion will fall down the corporate priority list. So I, my question to each of you is, see us out with a compelling reason why DNI must remain high on the corporate agenda. So Stacey, I'm coming to you first of all. I have the same concerns, right, as we, we might see or be falling into a little bit more of a, a global recession of sorts, um, and also the pushback globally, particularly against the LGBTQ uh, community, um, especially LGBTQ DEI policies and practices. And that's exactly why we started the Stonewall and Gives Back Initiative Safe Space Certification Program to work with brands and businesses to ensure that they are being accountable. Um, and again, when, when they're trying to market it to our community, we're going to say, okay, if you want to market to us and if you want to participate in Pride, you want to say you're doing the right thing, we want to see those practices from top to bottom all the way throughout your corporation, whether that's hiring and promoting LGBTQ folks, whether that's supporting us 365 days a year, whether that's giving funds to us, um, to our nonprofits and organizations, and whether that's making sure that you go through training. One of the other things we have in our program is we have extensive anti-bias training that over 80% of employees at a corporation or venue of business must complete before they can be certified as a safe space. So you need to continue to invest in training. You need to continue to invest in moral marginalized communities. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of the LGBTQ plus community, but it's not only just good for business. I'm still going to argue, even as we see 
you know, some maybe darker days ahead financially for some companies and corporations, DE and I can keep your employees engaged and it can lead to positive bottom line numbers. I could not think of a better reason. Thank you, Stacey, for your thoughts on that. And Eve, let me turn to you now for your compelling reason why this must remain high on the corporate agenda. So I would just add one thing to what Stacey said, which is I've met with C-suites of established companies and I've met with entrepreneurs of young companies and I have the utmost confidence in them all to not only do the right thing, but to seek and, and succeed in achieving the strongest financial returns for their company. They will keep this front and center as long as they want to financially succeed. I have the utmost confidence in the people who run these companies, whether established companies or new companies, I have the, the utmost confidence that they want to achieve financial success. Because they want to achieve financial success, this is one component that will help get them there. And I believe that they want very much to be financially successful. As Stacy said, it's the bottom line, and that's the reason they should keep it front and center. I have to say it's been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you both so much for your time. We've explored this uh, through not only your individual lenses, but your unique areas uh, of, of focus in your work, uh, your personal experiences uh, as, as part of the community, and but then also your inspiration. As we think about activism, we think about the challenges ahead, the reality of how the LGBTQ plus community is actually coming under attack and it is not equitable around the world. And then really thinking about what this means for organizations, organizations that want to succeed, organizations that want to hire and retain the very best of talent. And those organizations who are holding themselves to high account as they look ahead. Eve Ellis, Wealth Advisor at William Blair, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much, Julia. It's been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Stacey Lentz, CEO and co-founder of the Stonewall Inn Gives Back Initiative. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's been an enlightening and thrilling conversation to have with you both. And to all our listeners, thank you as always for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And until next time, goodbye. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by Roshan Roberts on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. You can find out more about the guests from this week's show on our website, that's www.diversitypodcast.com. That's diversity with a C and not an S. Whilst you were there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. And finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.